You're listening to Frontlines, a podcast for the people that truly make mountain biking happen. Not the riders, racers, or product designers, but the builders, advocates, and the often forgotten board members of your local mountain bike trail association. With Impa chapters receiving half of their membership dues, it's easy for many, especially those of the public, to scratch their heads and ask why any club would become a chapter. But it's not quite that simple. And I'd like to highlight and expand on one of the things that was mentioned last episode by my guest Dave Wins. All membership dues are paid directly to Imba by riders. Imba then sends a check to the chapters for their 50%. But it's important to realize that Imba doesn't just walk away with their 50%. Imba covers all membership cost. This includes mailing memberships, and if members have donated a certain amount, they're eligible for product. For example, pay $50 for your membership and you can receive a pair of socks. In addition to membership services, Imba provides on-the-ground support staff with regional directors distributed across the country. Now, the cost was much higher than what was received via memberships, and that's where Subaru came in as a sponsor. With the massive financial support, Imba could subsidize the chapter program, but take that sponsorship away and the program becomes trimmed down. Many of the groups I have spoke with have also described frustration with the membership system itself. It requires a serious IT upgrade, and the chances of Imba affording a needed upgrade seems next to impossible right now. As an example, chapters aren't able to access the demographic information of their members. I could create an episode all about stats, but for those that might not understand the value, I assure you, knowing your members is huge. So is the chapter program worth it? That's the question we'll attempt to answer. I'm your host, Brian Hillier, and this is the 15th episode of Frontlines. first guest is Matt Andrews. He's the executive director of the Minnesota Off-Road Cyclists, also known as MORC. They're in the Minneapolis-St. Paul area. Matt's position was originally split. In addition to being the ED, he was also a regional director for IMBA. Unfortunately, that position was cut by IMBA recently, but MORC stepped up and made his position with them full-time. Hi, Matt. Welcome to the show. Hey, Brent. Thanks for having me. Mork is a fairly large organization. Roughly, how many members do you have? Um, to date, we have somewhere in the ballpark of 860 uh, paid active members. Um, you know, when we talk about our membership, though, because we are such a large community, we like to use the term ridership because we know that we represent the interest of thousands um, of riders within our metropolitan area. So on March 3rd, Mork announced that they're no longer taking part in the chapter program. When did that discussion start happening on the board? Yeah, I mean, this is a discussion that happens every year, and I'm sure it happens with most uh, chapters and clubs uh, as a regular kind of annual conversation. You know, we get new directors, fresh blood coming under our board, and they always kind of say, what's the value? Why are we an IMBA chapter? And we have that discussion and, you know, generally uh, it's a pretty easy response. You know, we can prove the value. We can say, 
this is the benefits that we've received over the years. So this conversation actually really kind of started as we were bringing on new board members for 2017. Uh, but on December 1st, uh, IMBA notified all chapters with split paid staff that these associate region director positions were going away. And so uh, that's really uh, kicked the conversation into high gear um, for the, the, the Mork leadership, our board of directors, um, to discuss again, once again, what's the value um, you know, today versus yesterday. So it was basically December 1st, uh, we were contacted by IMBA and December 3rd, we already had planned our annual strategic planning session. So it was very quick. Um, you know, two days after being notified, uh, all of our board members were sitting in a room together and, and had a, a pretty lengthy discussion. Um, you know, part of it, they asked me to step away, of course, because it involves me and, uh, me as an employee and they really are the leaders of the organization and make the decisions on behalf of our organization. And so um, it was, you know, a conversation that was kind of going to be on the docket already. Uh, but like I said, it really kind of kicked it into high gear when we were notified uh, that my position would no longer be supported by Emba. That uh, sounds like a busy winter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, nonstop season for us, especially with fat biking being a huge thing now. So what were some of the reasons for leaving IMBA? Well, I mean, to be quite honest, uh, it, it's really just a kind of a value proposition, right? Uh, cost benefit analysis. For these past few years with uh, having me as a split paid staff, the conversation was very easy to defend our, our position as a, as a chapter of IMBA. You know, IMBA chapter program started off as this great idea. And of course, we love to support uh, the national efforts and initiatives that IMBA has. So these past few years, it, it's really been an easy sell to the board to say, look, we wouldn't be able to afford this paid split position uh, without IMBA's support. We wouldn't be able to come up with an attractive employment offer or benefits package on our own without IMBA's support. And so these past few years, it's been like, we've got an executive director that we share that we share a split position with IMBA. Um, so that combined with membership processing, database management, um, those were the two biggest selling points for us as a chapter in these past several years. And when IMBA announced that they're going to take away the split position, the really the only value that we're seeing as a larger organization um, is that membership processing database management's part of it. And um, our directors made the decision that that just wasn't a high enough value uh, proposition for us. So you mentioned it, but you know there there's huge value in, in IMBA with that that national representation and where would you like to see IMBA go um, either uh, from that national representation or from the chapter program? Yeah, um, I, I still feel that the chapter program has a lot of value um, for the right club. Uh, you know, Mork is now, we're in our 23rd year as a nonprofit organization. We were one of the first organizations to come on into the IMBA chapter program. So we are in a unique position where uh, we're large enough. Uh, we've got the funding. Uh, we've got the mechanisms and the organizational structure in place where uh, we were fortunate enough to be able to handle uh, taking on, uh, leaving the program, and once again becoming an independent nonprofit organization. Like I said, I still feel the chapter program is really beneficial to the right club, you know, dependent upon 
their size as an organization, their history, experience, uh, their organizational structure. So um, that kind of medium-sized club, I feel, is really the sweet spot uh, to be involved in the IMBA chapter program. Might not make as much sense if you're too small or if you grow too large uh, to continue in the chapter program as it's currently structured. That's just my personal feeling. Uh, having been employed by IMBA and working with the chapters and programs, I've kind of seen, uh, like I said, where I kind of feel the sweet spot is uh, for clubs to be part of the chapter program. So what's on the horizon for the Minnesota off-road cyclists? Uh, this year we're celebrating, uh, we just broke the 100-mile mark of single track in the Metro last year. Uh, so, you know, we're looking to celebrate that as well as celebrate essentially our uh, exit from the Imba chapter program. Um, many people might not know that, you know, your membership dues uh, are split between Imba and your local chapter. Uh, but now we can kind of rally behind and say, you know, 100% of your donation of your membership dues stays 100% local in support of that 100 miles of trail. So we're looking to have a um, trails festival coming up in the end of July um, where we're going to encourage all of our ridership out there to uh, to go and check out the trails and go to all of them, you know, and uh, coming up with some special incentives for people that do manage to uh to check into every trail or perhaps ride every trail. And we want that all to culminate in a, um, in a big expo style event. Well, Matt, I want to thank you for taking the time to, uh, to sit down and chat with me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure, Brent. I really appreciate uh, you giving me the opportunity as well. Matt mentioned that the board would have the conversation about what value the IMBA chapter system brought their club every year. It was something that was often assessed each time a new board member joined. Here's Brandon Pax, Executive Director of the Ozarks Off-Road Cyclists, an IMBA chapter in Arkansas. I think any healthy IMBA chapter right now is having those discussions. We've all seen um, kind of where IMBA's at at this point. And I think that the sign of a healthy club, and not just with respects to the IMBA chapter program, but with anything, reassessing the status quo and looking for new and better ways to serve your membership is crucial. Mork is much larger than your average chapter, and Matt thought that the chapter program might still work for the right group. For Mork, a big reason for leaving was the loss of a shared position, and that's certainly not the average situation. But the loss of regional directors has been a real issue and some corners of the U.S. are being more underserved than others. And one of the biggest examples of this is in Montana. Here's what Ben Horhan, executive director of Mountain Bike Missoula, had to say. We had a really good relationship with our you know, Intermountain Regional Director. His work and his presence is the reason that we decided to sign on as a chapter in the first place. Ben's referring to Eric Melson, who is IMBA's regional director for Montana. When Imba, you know, was faced with budget constraints and, and had to terminate his position, the, the value proposition for us was, was no longer there. Eric had done a ton of really, really good work for advocacy in the area, um, and, and, and seeing his position lose funding um, really meant to us that we, need to, we needed to invest in ourselves and, and step up and take up, um, take up some of that slack. The loss of Eric has been a huge blow to the state of Montana. And Mountain Bike Missoula the Bitterroot Backcountry Cyclists, and Mountain Bike the Tetons have all cited their challenges with no longer having his presence. And although of those three, Mountain Bike Missoula is the only chapter to leave IMBA, 
it doesn't mean that the latter two groups weren't challenged. Out here in Montana, we kind of feel like we're kind of out of the loop when it comes to Emba, that they really don't have a grasp of what's going on here. That's Lance Peicher, president of the Bitterroot Backcountry Cyclists. Over the last decade, we've lost, what, close to 800 miles of trail in a lot of areas, and Emba's pretty much been on the sideline in that whole discussion. And last year, we we finally actually had a Emba associate visual director here, and we felt that, at least for a while, things were changing, and Emba was actually taking interest in what and what was going on here in Montana. But then he got laid off, and we pretty much feel like we've pretty much been forgotten again in the whole scheme of things. Now, Montana contains a lot of designated wilderness, and they're certainly not alone in this. Neighboring Idaho has plenty of wilderness as well, and so does California. Only 2% of the entire United States is made up of wilderness land. But in California specifically, When you take into account state wilderness, that number is closer to 20%. And Montana and Idaho are no different. The work that Eric had really been effective in was in wilderness negotiations and um, sort of some of these large-scale land management um, decisions. That's Ben Horhan of Mountain Bike Missoula again. He had, he was really essential. He was central to, you know, the mountain biking voice in the Blackfoot Clearwater Stewardship Act, which we look at as a huge win, you know, for, for both conservation um, and for, for mountain bike access. It essentially outlined a pretty significant, an 80,000 acre wilderness expansion, but carved out a, uh, it carved out a, a recreation area, kind of a partner or a companion designation um, adjacent to the wilderness that has really similar sort of ecological protections uh, and, 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 you know, backcountry protections to wilderness, except that it allows for bicycle to continue riding on a handful of the really, you know, the classic alpine rides that were initially slated for closure in the wilderness expansion. That work of adjusting proposed wilderness boundaries and creating environmentally protected recreation areas where mountain biking can still happen is not unique. In fact, it's the strategy that IMBA has supported. The reason why proposed wilderness areas haven't affected the trails in places like Washington State is because of the work the Evergreen Mountain Bike Alliance does at the state level. I asked Lance from Bitterroot if he thought a regional group like Evergreen or the New England Mountain Bike Association could be possible in Montana and Idaho. We're so spread out over, if you go to the two states, we have, what, maybe a million and a half people among two states and a lot of area to cover. And we're all really pretty much all small communities. Only a few really have any paid staff. In general, we're all volunteers and trying to get us all organized is really challenging. When we had the Ember rep here, he was really taking an effort getting us organized. And I think, I think on our own, I think we're having a really hard time getting that regional structure organized. The large spread out area that is Montana and Idaho makes organization a huge challenge. There's no doubt that the Evergreen model works in Washington state, but there are other states watching closely. And then we're also exploring just in Oregon, there's a lot of conversation about our friends to the north. That's Jeff McNamee of the Salem Area Trail Alliance out in Oregon. He's speaking about Evergreen. And we've had a lot of conversations with them about the Evergreen model and how that might uh, transfer and be applied to Oregon. So I know many of the organizations and clubs and in the chapters are trying to investigate the best model for Oregon. Um, Is the Evergreen model a possibility? Would it work here? Could we have one larger sort of established club 
um, who would that be? And then could some of us, the smaller clubs like us, be chapters of that particular uh, organization? The IMBA chapter system does offer value to clubs, but things at IMBA are changing. Shifting priorities and resources from both our organization and IMBA itself. That's Ben from Mountain Bike Missoula again. We've sort of seen IMBA um, withdrawing back in, into um, gosh, sort of centralizing, pulling back on its chapter program and pulling back on some of the resources that it had um, you know, offered some of the chapters before. Specifically, I guess I'm talking about um, some of the regional staffing. That point of losing regional directors came up a few times with everyone I spoke with. But that wasn't the only reason certain clubs considered leaving. Here's Jeff with the group out in Salem, Oregon again. We started wondering, well, why are we still with the chapter program? And really it came down to us being a little lazy when it came to membership management. And so because we don't have very many members, that seems sort of a ridiculous reason to, to stay if that was the only reason. And so we started reaching out to other clubs. We spoke to folks at Evergreen and some of the more established large organizations here in Oregon, like the Central Oregon Trail Alliance, and got their thoughts on how they were managing membership and thought and felt pretty confident that we could we could do it on our own. Of all the groups who have left, the Salem Area Trail Alliance is definitely the smallest, with less than 100 members. The Bitterroot Backcountry Cyclists are an even smaller group, with around 50 members. Lance and the board, they decided to stick with the program. Like most chapters, we had a pretty intense discussion about whether, whether or not to stay or to uh, leave, and we felt that at this point it was in our best interest to stay and at least give the new uh, EMBA leadership a chance to uh, prove, prove their worth. And they're not alone. Here's Brandon again from Arkansas. We have been long supporters of EMBA. We were one of the charter chapters for the South region. Our first president was also the first state representative for EMBA. And so we have grown with EMBA through the years. And so I think that as an organization, it's very important that we see that we, you know, help EMBA and, and hope to see them get through this rough patch they're going through and come out on the other side stronger. And that sentiment is something that everyone I spoke with could agree on. But the local clubs need to take care of themselves as well. Here's Ben in Missoula. Rather than sending a significant amount of our you know, membership dues and our members' dollars to, to Boulder, we decided to reinvest that locally and make sure that we were doing the work that our members expected here in Western Montana. Boulder, of course, being the headquarters of IMBA. That theme of investing in themselves locally was something I heard from a few people. And that's not only investing financially, but also investing energy into projects and land access. The choice to leave was not taken lightly by anyone. And the groups that decided to took their time to have that discussion very carefully. Here's Jeff from Salem. We started that discussion probably 18 months prior to making that decision within the board, externally with our members, as well as uh, representatives from, from IMBA and some other chapters in our region. We were fortunate enough to have a IMBA rep also come in. Um, they knew we were considering leaving the chapter program and 
and that rep was able to meet with us and, and some other local chapters. Whether staying or leaving, many clubs want change at IMBA. I think what IMBA needs to do is really give the chapters a greater voice for what goes on in IMBA. That's Lance from Bitterroot again. When I was at the IMBA World Summit uh, last November, I was impressed by how many knowledgeable people there are in the chapters who really have a good idea of what's going on. I, I, and I think at this time, IMBA is a little bit too much of a top-down organization where, where there's IMBA and there's the chapters. And they don't see themselves as a united front. I mean, I, 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 like, I like chapters and mountain bikers to think we are EMBA rather than EMBA being someone far removed from us. With the recent restructuring, that they say they'll have one EMBA chapter leader on the board, which I, which I think is really inadequate. I really think they need a. I think that for EMBA to find out what's going on, they really need to have a more active chapter voice at the board level at EMBA. Chapter representation on the board is something I asked Dave Wins about last episode, and he didn't have much new info for us. But what I can say is that many of the groups I spoke with said that one chapter president on the IMBA board fell short of what they wanted. The IMBA chapter program is, in our view, separate from IMBA proper. That's Jeff from Salem, and he brings up a great point. The IMBA chapter program is just you know, one arm of what IMBA is trying to do. I personally, and I know many of the board members as well, support IMBA and what they do at the national and international level and, and even here regionally. And everyone I spoke with wanted to say the same thing. Here's Ben from Mountain Bike Missoula one more time. While we're stepping away from IMBA, it's, it's not because we don't think that they're doing good work on a national scale. Um, it's just that in order to see in order to respond to some of the challenges that we're seeing at a local level, we need to be able to invest locally and, and, and concentrate concentrate resources here. With that said, you know, IMBA does really good work and, and we agree with them on a lot of things. And so IMBA is an organization that we will continue to support in ways that we can. Um, we're not, you know, encouraging our members not to be IMBA members or anything like that, but just that, you know, we need to, we need to, um, you know, keep things close to home right now as we as we grow and get established and, and have the opportunity to make some real changes here. And as a local trail association, that's so important. But as mountain bikers, there might be a risk in being too locally focused. As long as you have your own local trails, well, whatever happens anywhere else is irrelevant. I think we need to take a, a real much bigger issue, a bigger global view that all trails matter we need to be advocating nationwide to figure out ways to unite all of us for these trail issues. I think there is an absolute value in IMBA and what they do from a national level. And IMBA is that national voice that's advocating for access for mountain bikers across the country. If we lose that, if we lose that national voice, it's only going to set mountain biking back. We need to have a strong national voice for mountain biking. And I think to agree it's a little bit lacking right now. I'm not going to be honest. I think Emma is struggling right now to find a, a, a voice for mountain biking that resonates with everyone. And it's it's a real challenge. I mean, when I, here in Montana, I'm thinking, what does Emma really give us? And I'll say I have a hard time thinking what we get from Emma right now, in all honesty. But still, I think we need to have that national voice to advocate for mountain biking. And at this point, it's still going to be Emma. And we need to figure out ways to make IMBA stronger and find a way to, to have a unified voice that integrates the chapters, the clubs, 
that we have a strong voice. I want to emphasize the point that I think folks lose sight of all the important work IMBA has done uh, over the years to create this really wonderful foundation for the work we do. I don't think we could accomplish our goals without IMBA doing what they have done. And I think people can lose context of that history when there are issues like the chapter program or issues like wilderness, and they may disagree with IMBA in some way. But overall, I, I think I'm proud to be an IMBA member, and I personally will keep doing that. Um, I just I don't think currently right now the, the chapter program is, is sustainable or a good fit for our club. My final guest of the episode is Kevin Adams. Kevin currently sits on the board of the Verde Valley Cyclist Coalition out in Sedona, Arizona. Prior to that, he was a board member of the Mid-Atlantic Off-Road Enthusiasts, also known as MORE, and was IMBA's Vice President of Chapter and Member Services until he retired in July of 2016. Kevin wrote an article for Singletracks.com called, Is the IMBA Chapter Program Right for Your Club? Analyzing the Pros and Cons. You can find a link to it in the show notes, and it's a great read. I highly recommend it. Hi, Kevin. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Brent. Thanks for having me. So is leaving the IMBA chapter program right for every club? No. What were some of the main reasons then that the the Verde Valley Cyclist Coalition chose to leave the chapter program? Well, it goes back to why we became a chapter in the first place. Our membership manager uh, had to step aside and we couldn't get find somebody to take it on over. And so we looked at IMBA's membership fulfillment system as a solution for us. And then after two years into the program, what we discovered is the Verde Valley Cycle Coalition is a bicycle advocacy organization. Mountain biking is only part of what we do. And we discovered that uh, our road biking community here in the Verde Valley were not renewing their membership and not joining. And we got to the point where we were left with two members who were road bikers of our 70 members. And uh, when we reached on out and asked, uh, why are you leaving? The number one reason was they didn't want a large percentage of their dues supporting a national mountain biking association. So we decided to look into uh, third-party fulfillment software. We had somebody step on up to say, I'll do the membership management as long as we can get it automated. And when we did and, and then started reaching on out to the road biking community, they're like, great, you know, we'll come back. And uh, in the 40 days since uh, we've left the program, uh, 45 of them have come back, which is, uh, I mean, we were only, we had 70 members to when we started. Uh, left the program, and now we're up to 115 members. So uh, for us, it was because our mission is bigger than just mountain biking. So do you think that every IMBA chapter should at least be having uh, this discussion and, and asking the question, you know, is the chapter program right for them? Absolutely. Absolutely. And for two reasons, Brent. Uh, first, you have a fiduciary, if you're on the board of a, of a chapter, you have a fiduciary responsibility to make sure 
that you're managing the chapter's resources to the best you possibly can. And then on the EMBA side, uh, if you're not there, if you're not a chapter for the right reasons, you're, you're not really helping EMBA either. You're hurting yourself and you're hurting EMBA. Uh, what advice do you have for clubs going through this process or, or who might be considering uh, going through this process? That's a good question. Uh, evaluate where it is that you're going as a club or as a chapter and ask yourselves, okay, what am I getting from EMBA uh, in being a chapter? What do I want from EMBA as being, being a chapter? And if there are gaps between it to attempt to negotiate the gaps away to stay in, or uh, ultimately if you can't, and if the, and if the gaps are too, too wide, you owe it to yourself to leave. Yeah, and, and you made some points in your article in Single Tracks. The, the big one um, that stood out to me was negotiate terms um, that will meet your needs. And and is that something that that uh, Imba is receptive to, uh, or is it something that that as a chapter you just have a duty to at least give it a chance? Well, I, historically, Imba on occasion has negotiated change. Uh, I've heard through. Uh, other sources that uh, that IMBA is open to negotiating change, but uh, or to, to negotiate terms, but you know, a lot's going to depend on what the terms are and whether or not they, you know, you can get to a win-win for both IMBA and for the chapter. Is there anything that you'd like to either say to IMBA or that any changes that you'd like to see IMBA make? I'd like for IMBA to figure on out how to engage with former chapters and clubs out there that have never seen the value in joining the chapter program. Right now, the, you have two ways of engaging with EMBA. You can be a chapter or you can be a member club. And I think EMBA needs to find something in the middle. The very last thing of my article was, I have been trying to convince EMBA that these chapters that are leaving are still your friends and you should figure out a way to work with them. Yeah. And every, you know, people should look at it. If somebody leaves, you know, if somebody joins the chapter program, because let's say they, um, they weren't very well organized or something like that. And then as part of becoming a chapter, they grew and got to the point where they could go on out and branch out on their own that should be looked at as a success of the program and not a downside of the program. In my opinion. Is there a model that's working right now? Like is, is an evergreen model something that, that, or a NEMBA model or, or, you know, there's a lot of other organizations out there that, that have chapter systems or operate as an umbrella. Is there a model that you like that you think maybe could work better for, for IMBA? Uh, I don't have a, a good feel for NEMBA and evergreens uh, model. So I really can't comment there, but uh, IMBA should be talking to NEMBA and talking to Evergreen and talking to Dorba and talking to uh, the chapters who are leaving to find out what could work. Awesome. Well, Kevin, I just want to thank you for taking the time to, to chat with me and uh, I really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, Brent. Do I have confidence in the future of IMBA? Simply put, yes. I trust that Dave is making the decisions that need to be made right now. 
And one thing I know for sure is that I don't envy his role and the decisions he's needed to make and will need to make going forwards. Both Dave Wins and Kevin Adams have used an analogy that I think is bang on. Going forward, Imba needs to get their financial house in order. While Imba is doing that, every chapter needs to do the same. And two scenarios need to be accounted for, a future with Imba and a future without. Many of my guests have said that every chapter owes that to their members. And we as mountain bikers need our local trail associations to remain strong. Well, the biggest lesson we can learn from this is that no matter how large your club is, it's important to not rely on one revenue source. And if you look at your books and the vast majority of money comes from one stream, then the board needs to have a plan B. Imba chapter or not, no matter where in the world you are, this is the most important thing to walk away from this episode with. Most, if not all, trail associations have come on hard times before. And if you've been fortunate enough to come through the other side, I can almost guarantee that you're the better for it. And I think we all owe Imba the chance to do the same. And my expectations of what comes out the other side of this is going to be stronger than ever. And you can bet that every chapter and non-chapter alike wants the same. We are stronger together. There's no doubt about it. So if you want to share your club's experience with Imba or want to share your opinion or insights, I encourage you to do so. To include your voice in the show, send me an audio file or send me an email at frontlinesmtb at gmail.com. Or you can contact me, brent at bikeski.ca. You can also interact with myself and the show on social media, Frontlines MTB on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Leave a rating and review on whatever means you tune in, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or YouTube. And let me know if you've enjoyed the change in format that happened in the middle of this episode. It's not something I plan on doing in every episode, but some topics deserve more than one voice. And in this case, it was a great way to share four voices at once with you, the listener. This episode you heard from Lance Peischer of the Bitterroot Backcountry Cyclists. You may have heard about them already. They recently joined local motorized groups to sue the Forest Service about recent trail closures. It's a polarizing move and something IMBA is not supportive of. But the group has run out of options. They've lost 178 miles of local single track to proposed wilderness areas. This specific story and the much broader story of wilderness access is deserving of its own episode. And I assure you, it's coming. In fact, I'm sure it will make for multiple episodes. But if you want to add your voice to that discussion, please reach out. Next episode, I sit down with Kevin Loomis. He's the president of the San Diego Mountain Bike Association. We're going to look deeper into the IMBA board and their history. And Kevin will discuss some of the changes that he wants to see on the board and the direction he thinks IMBA needs to go to be successful. And following that will be my episode with Jay Darby of MTB Co. out in Kelowna, British Columbia. We're going to discuss wet trails and how we, as trail advocates, can communicate to the public that they should avoid riding. We have lots of voices to include, and Jay and I look forward to digging into the topic more and hearing what everyone has to say. It's not too late to add your voice, so get your thoughts in ASAP. Don't forget to support the show via PayPal. You can find a link in the show notes. And along with that, you can find a link to Kevin Adams' article and links to all of my guests' websites and various social media profiles. As always, music is provided by Lee Rosevere and production notes by Jennifer Pride. 
And finally, I'm Brent Hillier. This is Frontlines. Thanks for listening and happy trails.